0: Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. But with the Word open before us, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Sufficient and all loving Father, we come before you. And although the world might persecute us, we know that they persecuted you first. But let us not forget your word. Sanctify us this very evening through your word, for your word is truth. Even in the darkest nights, Lord, let our hearts praise you because of what you have given to us in your word. Lord, let us keep your word and let it dwell richly within our hearts. Lord, we know that the earth is full of your steadfast love we pray that you would teach us of your steadfast love, even in the darkest nights of our life, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hear now the word of the Lord from Genesis chapter 49 and Genesis chapter 50. This is God's holy inerrant infallible word. Please take heed how you hear. All these are the twelve tribes of Israel. This is what their father said to them as he blessed them, blessing each of them with a blessing suitable to him. Then he commanded them and said to them, I am to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave of the field of Ephron the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, the east of Mamre, in the land of Canaan. Which Abraham brought with the field from Ephron the Hittite to possess as a burying place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah his wife. And there, I, there I buried Leah. The field in the cave that is in where it bought from the Hittites. When Jacob finished commanding his sons, he drew up his feet into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. Then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. So the physicians embalmed Israel. Forty days were required for it, for that is how many are required for embalming. And the Egyptians went, wept for him seventy days. When the days of weeping for him were past, Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found favor in your eyes, please speak in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, I am about to die. In my tomb that I have hewn out for myself in the land of Canaan, there shall you bury me. Now, therefore, please let me go up and bury my father, then I will return. And Pharaoh answered, Go up and bury your father as he has made you swear. So Joseph went up to bury his father with him. With him went all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of the household, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, as well as all the household of Joseph, his brothers, and his father's household. Only their children, their flocks, and their herds were left in the land of Goshen. And there they went up with him, both chariots and horsemen. It was a very great company. When they came to the threshing floor of Artad, which is beyond the Jordan, they lamented there with a very great and grievous lamentation. And he made a mourning for his father seven days. When the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites saw the mourning at the threshing floor of Artad. They said, this is a grievous mourning by the Egyptians. Therefore, the place is named abel Mezraim. It is beyond the Jordan. Thus his sons did for him as he had commanded them. For his sons carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah to the east of Mamre, which Abraham brought from from Ephron the Hittite to possess as a burying place. After they had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had gone up with him to bury his father. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. Have you ever had that feeling when the news reaches you of, of someone you have never met before, someone you have never had a connection with, you know of, but then you find out of their passing. Maybe it's not someone that you have met or have felt. Maybe it's even just reading a story or a book. You read through a biography and you, you see that the life and the struggle of this person, you feel as you go on a journey through their life, you begin to get to know this person. You see their sorrows and their heartaches, the pains and the joys of their life. And when you get to the closing chapters of their life, you, you see the pain in which they walk through. This is very much what happens as you spend time reading through the stories that are given to us in the Bible. Very rarely are we told about things that happen in the Bible. We're often told about people. You read through the story of David in First and Second Samuel, as we're doing in our Wednesday night Bible study, and you, and you see a deep connection to David, his relationships to such a friend as Jonathan. You hear of Jonathan's passing. It's not merely just the passing of some random character. You you feel a connection to them. You feel sorrow for David. And then as you continue, you meet Mephibosheth. It's not just another person in the story. There is a connection with this tremendous fellowship between these two you might call brothers. Well, in tonight's passage, we see such an emotion that we feel and hear of the death of Jacob. Now, we have known this to be coming. This scene, as we've spent some time in the last chapters, is all centered around Jacob in the last days of his life, around his deathbed, as he bows down to worship, as he blesses his grandson Ephraim and Manasseh, and then turns to his own sons to bless them. And tonight, as we read this passage, we're carried back to that moment of that day of his funeral. These weeks, these months of mourning. Now, interestingly, Jacob takes up most of the story of Genesis. Abraham gets chapters 12 to 25. Isaac merely gets one chapter to himself in chapter 26. Even a portion of chapter 5 is given to Jacob but really from chapters 27 to 50 focuses on Jacob and Jacob's household. Jacob, that trickster, who once stole his brother's blessing, dressed up as Esau, who traded his bowl of soup to be able to claim the birthright of Esau, who went through the trials and tribulations as he goes to visit his uncle Laban, to be able to find a wife. He works seven years, blood, sweat, and tears, to be only be deceived and be given Leah instead. Works another seven years to be able to earn Rachel. He continues to work through all of this heartache. But God had promised that he would be with him. As he went to Badam-Aran, he would make it back safely. God fulfilled his promise. He comes back and God protects him even from his brother Esau. Jacob makes it back to the land, the promised land, the land which was promised to Abraham and Isaac and now to Jacob. But this is a land still filled with sorrow and pain. Dinah, his daughter, is raped, and Rachel, his wife, and whom he loved, died just after giving birth to their son, Benjamin. He then goes and buries his father, Isaac, in the field of Mamre. And then... He thinks he loses his favorite son Joseph as his other sons come back with a robe dipped in blood. At some point during this time, he buries his wife Leah with his grandparents and his parents. He sends his son to Egypt to go find some food. They find out as he comes back that one of his sons is there. That They must send Benjamin for more food. His life somewhat ends on a high note as he finds out that Joseph is still alive, his prime minister in Egypt. And as he's leaving to be able to go down to Egypt, God speaks to him once more. And he says in verse 46, chapter 46, That I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again. And Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. You can understand why as Joseph stands before Pharaoh and says, Few and evil have been my days. This is a man who has seen great evil and pain and sorrow in his life, but yet he has been redeemed by the angel of the Lord. The shepherd himself has walked with him. And now as he's on his deathbed he gathers towards him his sons and gives them one final command Bury me with my people. Now God had promised that if you go down to Egypt I will bring you back up again. And God would But he would do so with Jacob being dead. Now we've seen some of these portions before as we studied in chapter 47 Jacob's faith in light of death. He wanted to be buried in the promised land, not because of geographical reasons, but because of the promise. So tonight we focus not on Jacob, per se. But we do find out that Moses spends a lot of time on this passage. The death of, Mo- the death of Isaac is merely one verse. In chapter 35, verse 29, it says, And Isaac breathed his last. He died and was gathered to his people, old and full of days, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. However, you can find those few verses here in this verse, in verse 33 and then verse 13 of chapter 50. When Jacob finished commanding his sons, he drew up his feet into his bed and breathed his last, was gathered to his people. His sons carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him. But Moses spends a lot of time on this passage. So what do we learn from this passage? Firstly, we see that there is a place of rest. A place of rest. That Jacob gives specific instructions to his sons. That he would be buried in a place with his people. Verse 29 says, To be gathered with his people. Verse 33, To with gathered with his people. One reason I think that you you see this this long portion of scripture is to see that Jacob makes a request on his deathbed and his sons do as he asked. He commanded, he finished commanding, verse 33. Joseph tells Pharaoh that he made me swear. In verse 12 it says, thus the sons did as he commanded them. But Jacob makes them promise on his deathbed before he breathes his last to do two things, bury me. And bury me in the burying place. Now, we've spoken about this before, but I will seek to be quick. The burial is the practice that we see in the Bible. And therein lies the, the promise that we hope for the resurrection to come. But also, that the only place that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob owned in the promised land was a graveyard that there they saw that through their death, the promise would eventually come. That the promise would come long after they walked that land. Our Cute Kent Hughes, paints a glorious picture of Jacob's resting place. Machpelah was their land. They owned it outright. The heart of Canaan was theirs. Jacob's briar was gently placed before the ossuary. The stone was removed by the strong among the twelve. And as they peered in, they, could, they saw the grinding remains of Abraham and his beloved princess Sarah. Their beloved son Isaac, the laughter of their life, and his Rebekah and Jacob's Leah. And there they reverently entered their father's remains. were stories of generations, stories of God's promises, and there in the promised land, in the heart of the promised land, was a graveyard where they waited for God to fulfill his promise. But we also see the pain of death. Place of burial in the pain of death, pain of death in verse 1 of chapter 50. After Jacob had breathed his last, was gathered to his people, Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. Death is somewhat natural, that everyone in this life will go through death. We see it before our eyes, even as leaves fall from the trees. This cycle But somewhat, it's natural, it happens in this world, but it's somewhat unnatural. Although this verse is short, I think we must see something very clear and pain, painful. The death brings weeping, especially for those who are close. The Jacob is a believer, Joseph is a believer, Yet on that day as Joseph stood over the body of his father, who had no breath in his lungs, no blood pumping through his heart, he falls on his father's lifeless body and weeps. They were not sure when they would see each other again long before in their life and when they were reunited, when they met up together. Both of them wept that day. But now only one is doing the weeping. That death is a reality. That is sad and depressing truth that death is real. The people around us that we love will one day cease and so will we. Cease to breathe. That the fall and the effects of fall are not merely a myth. That we see the effects of the fall every day of our life. We see the realities of the fall, especially when we go to a funeral when someone dies. The genesis begins in life, but it ends in death. The reality is is that that, the effects of Adam and Eve eating the fruit and the promise of God came true that very day. You shall surely die. And death becomes a reality to all who are born of Adam. And ever since that moment, death has occurred to everyone who has lived. But death is unnatural and it's not how it's meant to be. We're made to live with God forever, but sin came into the world. Death should never merely just be a natural way in our thinking. That we should weep tears and many tears when we hear of death. Tears are not sinful, or even a sign of a lack of faith. The effects of sin are real, and tears are the effects of sin and the fall. Throughout my parenting days, there have been many lessons, many of which come from the words which a small child utters, and it hits straight at your heart. One of our days, or one of our children was crying, and it was over a small, insignificant thing in my mind. And I come up and I try and comfort them. You don't need to cry about it, I say. And they had words that really cut to my heart, and it said, "It's okay to cry." I was convicted. What I was meant to do is to point out that tears in this moment were, were useless, but what they pointed out, the tears in this moment have a purpose. They show the pain that happens. They understood this, I merely did not. The Joseph on this day wept over his father. Joseph understood this reality. But also Jesus did who was sinless. John writes in John 11 that Jesus wept. Francis Schaeffer says that our trusting the Lord does not mean there are not times of tears. I think it is a mistake as Christians to act as though trusting the Lord and tears are not compatible. We should be known as tearful people. Because we know that death is a result of the fall, not merely just a natural thing. It's an unnatural thing. That as Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians, that I do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who sleep. That you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Paul points out that we grieve, but we grieve as those who have hope. Place of burial, a period of pain, and now a period of mourning. We notice that it's not merely that it's Jacob, uh, Joseph, who is moved by the death of Jacob. We see now entering in a great period of mourning. I think we can learn a lot from other cultures in this area. We often think that a week or two is significant and sufficient for mourning the loss of a loved one. The reality is it takes a lifetime. The Egyptians mourn and wept for at least 70 days, and then an extra seven days when they get to Canaan. That We actually see in this passage a great example of great mourning from the Egyptians. See this in verses 10 and 11. As they come to this threshing floor beyond the Jordan... They lamented there at a very great and grievous lamentation. And he made a mourning for his father seven days. And the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning in this fleshing floor. And they said, this is a grievous mourning by the Egyptians. And therefore, the place was called Abel Mizraim. It's beyond the Jordan. Those who were even watching these Egyptians able to be able to say, and they actually renamed this place the mourning or the meadow of Egyptians. As they're mourning. Are they mourning because of Jacob or are they mourning because of Joseph? Now it's quite possible that they've met Jacob in his 17 years there. They've dealt with him and he is a nice and kind man. Pharaoh had met him But it's probably more likely that they weep because Joseph wept. In verse 4, we see in the days of the weeping for him were past. Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh saying, If now I have found favor in your eyes, please speak in the ears of Pharaoh. If I have found favor. Now we can learn from this. Not only those who are close to those who lose a loved one, are to weep, but those who are close to the ones who are close. Though we weep, and tears should be contagious. Paul writes in Romans, Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. You could say not only that Jesus wept, but Jesus wept because he saw others weeping. He wept because he loved Lazarus, but he also saw his sisters weeping of the loss of their brother right before John chapter 11 it says when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled but i think another reason that we are told about the egyptians tears and their weeping is because i think we see that tears are universal even not even as non believers at a funeral you see tears You see, some value of life. But also a reality of the unnaturalness of death. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. That eternity is written on every man's heart. We see this this sad and depressing moment in Jacob's life and and flows through to to Joseph, then to even the Egyptians being able to mourn the loss of uh, Jacob. But I also think we see a promise to come. We see Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, explains that all of these died in faith. Yes, they died, but they died in faith. Abraham, Isaac, uh, Sarah, Jacob, all of them died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus made it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had not been thinking of that land which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared for them a city. that they died but they died in faith this great mourning and loss and weeping over the body of Jacob and many tears are shed just like another day when Mary stood over another tomb with weeping see in John chapter 20 but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb and as she wept she stopped to look into the tomb Supposing him to be the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. But here, at yet another grave of weeping, we see this turn to mourning. Rejoicing. Henry Ward Belcher says, God washes the eyes by tears until they can behold the invisible land where tears shall come to an end. Or Paul continues in that First Thessalonians passage I read before. Though we grieve, but not as others who do not grieve without hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus... God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. That there is hope. That there is a moment where tears will will be no more. And Jacob, as he died in faith, he, he stood and looked from afar and was able to see the promise of God of heaven to come, the reality of the resurrection for believers. Do we see and we feel the emotion and the pain in this passage? Will we see and look towards that moment where that pain and sorrow is gone? Where we rejoice. The death is, is somewhat natural because of the fall, but it's unnatural because the plan and the purpose was always that God would be with His people and His people would be with God for all eternity. So we weep in this life. We weep and mourn for those who are gone. We also long for that life. Long for that life that has no end. That Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob looked and saw the city from afar, not that earthly city built of dirt and mud and rocks, but the heavenly city that we read about in the book of Revelation. In chapter 21, as John sits there and sees this glorious image and John writes about it, he said, I saw the new heaven and the new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. nor crying, nor pain anymore. The former things have passed away. That here we see a single funeral here, but at the end of the book of Revelation, we see the funeral of funerals. The death of death, the, the, the tears are wiped away, they are no more. We mourn no more, we cry no more, for all those former things have passed away. The realities of heaven are found for those who put their trust and faith in God. That we see death as the most natural thing that ever happens to us, but yet it is the most unnatural thing. For we hope for that life which does not pass away, which is given to us through Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. O gracious and most merciful Father, We see the effects and the realities of the fall ever around us. We see it most clearly in the death of those who have gone before us. The pain and the sickness in which they bore. The pain and the sickness and the sin in which we bear ourselves. Lord, that we realize that Yet that eternity is written on the hearts of man, and yet this death which seems so natural is not. It is unnatural, Lord, that Christ came to defeat death, the very last enemy of death. That we weep in this life. Help us to be those who weep with those who weep. Have hearts of compassion, but also the hope of heaven written upon our hearts. We pray that you would help us to do that, for we know that we are prone to be able to shift our gaze onto this life and not into the life that is to come. We pray that you would help us to do this through the work of the Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook